No. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Barbarian, Barbarian Prophets. Welcome back, Barbarian Nation. I know we're running a little bit behind this week, but I wanted to just tell you that uh, last week we tried to record some stuff, and it just didn't come out right, did it, Cody? No. Uh, Because what happens when all of us haven't had enough sleep and are drinking too much caffeine and we are all just standing around being a bunch of goofballs, uh, we figured out that our show sounds really bad, so we we thought we'd skip that one. We had Mike Bingle Davis in, which we'll get him in again. That'll all be good, right? Yep. Um, So today we are going to take a look at a little thing we like to call... It's time to reach into that virtual mailbag and read some email from our listeners. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and go into some of the questions that have been getting texted to me, uh, sent to me via Messenger, sent to me via my uh, Facebook account. Uh, You know, the one thing that uh, I'm starting to make strong connections out there, uh, Cody, is via my book, which I'm going to plug real quick. Are you ready for that one? Yep, go for it. Yeah, so uh, the name of my book is From the Club to the Cross. You can find it on Amazon.com, or you can swing into uh, Cascade Coffee if you're here in Casper. Uh, or you can always uh, drop me a line, and I will send it to you directly, even signed, and it'll cost you nothing more than the additional uh, shipping cost, which almost anywhere in the United States like just under 4 bucks. So, uh, again, from the Club to the Cross uh, by Bert Eldridge, and it is a story of how I came to know who Jesus Christ is and uh, step into that time frame of uh, following him from being in uh, motorcycle club life, uh, or as the FBI likes to reference it, uh, gang affiliation. <laughs> okay, Cody, so reach into the bag. Let's find out what uh, what the first question of the day is. All right. So first off, is yoga okay for a Christian to do? Is yoga okay for a Christian to do? Uh, that's a pretty solid question, right? I mean, yoga is done all over the place in about every gym, right? Right. And uh, we see all kinds of things with that. <clears throat> I'm going to say this about uh, yoga. Uh, all joking aside, what we have going there is it is a form of worship. And not Jesus Christ, but it is a form of wor- worship. It's actually uh, very Hindu in flavor. Uh, yoga literally means yoking or to be yoked to. And a part of uh, yoga is to be yoked to the gods in which you are impersonating. And this is from them. This isn't from me. I didn't make this stuff up. This is all about what they have to say. But what happens is when they, I don't remember how many poses there are. I'm kind of caught, uh, I don't have that up in front of me or anything, but I do know that they always want to refer to God as the source. If you go into one of those classes and start trying to talk about Jesus Christ or anything like that, or go, you know, I really don't want to be a Philly. I'm just trying to do some stretching here. 
they are not down with that. It definitely is that. Now, Cody, you and I watched a movie about a yoga named Osho. You remember that? You don't remember that. The one where they try to take over the town in the in the late night or in the late eighties, oh, early nineties, yep. uh yep. in Oregon. You yep. remember that? And those guys were all that that guy was a yogi. And what he was trying to do was bring everybody into um into understanding that, right? Yeah. And what we saw them do is unleash a demonic spirit into a collective of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was on Netflix, and you can check that out if you want. Um, you'll be quite horrified by it by the time it's all said and done. But, oh, yeah. Uh, so is it okay for a Christian to do that? I would say I would be very cautious in that. Uh, I would not recommend it. I've done that before in my in the past, and I'm as a Christian. And eventually my wife and I were like, you know, I I – like the stretches, but I'm not down with the rest of this. This everything about here, even the music they're playing in the background with the the brass bowls and the gonging and stuff to that effect. Uh, that is definitely um towards their religion. That's what I would put it. You think that answers the question well enough? Yeah, absolutely. Would you want to expand on that anymore? Um, well. Not exactly. I I think that, you know, yoga has a lot of really good stretches for the body, but um, as, as long as you're not making it a part of your worship, I mean, you can get tutorials on how to do the stuff at home, but if you're – and put your own Christian music on it, I think. Right. Well, and there's, there's plenty of books on stretching. The United States military have been doing stretching for a long time. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, what do, what's our next question, Cody? So, next question. How do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Wow, you're just kind of randomly picking stuff out, ain't you? Yep. Okay, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Well, first and foremost, we need to know what spiritual gifts are. Correct. Okay, so where would we find those in the Bible? Because uh, what what's one rule that Bert always has when we're answering questions, Cody? Make sure it comes from the Bible. Make sure it comes from the Bible. And why do we do that? I mean, and I, that's an honest question. Why do Why do you think I am so forceful about that? When it, because you're becoming a pastor, right? And one of the things I'm so forceful because when we give it from our opinion, mm-hmm. uh, our opinion could be wrong. My opinion can definitely be wrong. Absolutely, yeah. Wait. what did you just say i am wrong uh (laughs) no there's times that i do make mistakes and and uh, absolutely it's called being human being right Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of times that what ends up happening is we will go uh back and we will I'll, i'll make apologies and you've heard me even from the pulpit say hey i said this and that's a little incorrect this is the the final out could because people questioned me on it later. And I was like, man, I don't remember saying it that way, but if you heard it that way, that is a problem. So then I try to make a remedy, but I don't just remedy it to those people. I, I always publicly correct uh, myself. I have no problem with that whatsoever Uh, because I have, uh, I have made some mistakes in teaching because I listened to another teacher without doing great, um, in-depth study myself, mm-hmm. uh, one of which was 
that Jesus could have been up to two and three years old uh, when they went to Egypt. But uh, Scripture does not indicate that. And I've had to go back and apologize to people for that teaching because I I was I was uh, not paying close enough attention. Hmm. So, hey, so where I would go for uh, spiritual gifts. So ask the question again, Cody. So how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Okay, well, one of the things in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we start finding, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant, is how the how it starts. Right. Okay, that's how and chapter 12. I think the people 12, that ask this question definitely don't want to be ignorant. No, no, no. I think that's this exactly what they're wanting to know. So there are uh, diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So that's one of the things I want to point out. Mm-hmm is that the difference in ministries but the same Lord, okay? We only have one Holy Spirit. We only have one Jesus Christ, the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And we only have one God, okay? And, well, and that's the next one. And the three are uh, diversities of active uh, activities, but it is all the same God who works all in all. So that is, uh, chapter 12 starts off with the Trinity, Right out there in the front, right. And I'm very much a big Trinity guy. You know that. Absolutely. And I, I'm I, I'm digging so deep into that right now. But it says a manifestation of the Spirit will give you things: word of the wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, uh, faith, healings, uh, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, uh, interpretation of tongues. So there, it looks to me like there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Okay. okay. So when we start to take a look at that, people want to go, well, what are, my, what are my gifts? Well, we all have the Holy Spirit, right? Right. So all of those gifts come through the gift giver. They're, are you with me? Right. So what I'm telling you is I've watched numerous times, especially when I've, I've been on the charismatic end of this, where people have said, man, I have the gift of healing. Okay, I'm listening, and I've watched healings take place around that person, and I'm like, that's awesome, right? Right. But uh, the other thing is they go into something a little bit I think is weird, okay? And I even thought this on uh, as uh, that when they say, do you want my anointing? I can't get your anointing. Right. I have the anointed one, the one that gives the anointing. That is Jesus Christ. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. So I have access to every one of those gifts, and you have access to every one of those gifts. What a speaker would do better at is not saying, hey, I'm going to give you this because they can't give me anything. Only Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and Father God can give me anything. So here's a question Okay, to follow all this up because... Uh, whoever asked this might be thinking this as well. Um, are all nine of those in play at the same time, or do we only access one the one time. that we need for that particular moment? I think that if you're very open to the Holy Spirit, that it, it activates what is needed in the moment. But I think that you constantly have things, when you spend time in his word, you get time, you get wisdom. Right. 
Okay, because where wisdom really comes in is where you start uh, tearing into His Word day after day, and the Word of Knowledge there is is saying comes from His Word. Now let's go to the total spiritual end of this. Are you with me? Yep. Now what happens is all of a sudden the Lord drops a word of knowledge in me that has nothing to do with the word, but it has to do with the person. Okay. And he says, hey, and I'm going to use you as an example. He says, hey, Cody is having a pain in his uh, neck. Okay. And I say, okay, Cody is a pain in the neck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I say, okay, Cody has a pain in his neck. So uh, what I would do is the very first thing I would do is I'd find out why the pain was there. It wasn't from an accident or even if it was, what is the rest of the thing going? And in general, what I ended up finding out in, in teaching people how to pray for other people is you start asking questions and you'll find that maybe he is stiff-necked and unwilling to turn and look at things a different way, etc. And the Lord is revealing that to him in a physical pain. Are you with me? Mm. So when we find that out, we can pray for the healing of the neck, but we need to be concerned with praying for the spirit and the well-being of the person's soul. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And, and ultimately, we need to make sure that Whatever happens. Mm-hmm. That and Christ gets the glory. Christ gets the glory and God's will is done. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think this really comes into effect when we are praying for someone on their deathbed. Absolutely. And um, it's not always God's will that that person should continue to live. Well, it is his. I'm, I'm going to disagree with that. I mean, on this planet planet yeah. yeah and that's where you know i don't i don't uh it isn't that i am afraid of dying right it's that i just don't put as high a value on i, I just see my life as already being extended into the afterlife right. so when we're praying for the healing of a person i mean that's part of last rites that right. we do as lutherans as pastors pastoral right. care right uh caring for our congregation uh, what ends up happening is we are praying for the healing of that person, and if that person is taken uh, before Christ during during that, they pass away. That in itself is the healing, right? Okay, and I think at, we at, often struggle with that. I, I think we do because we want God to obey us. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but it doesn't work that it way. Does it does not work that way, man. Uh, we definitely. Um, are always making sure that what we've got going is his will. And and the thing is, is that when you truly believe in an afterlife, you truly believe in spending time with Christ, then it is a last breath here and the next breath in front of him, and we move forward. Right. I mean, um, I have had a lot of people uh, over time, uh, including my grandson, who was like, what happens when you die? And when I explain what happens when you die, he's like, oh, okay, I'm good now. But, I mean, before then, he was falling apart, man. Right. Okay? Yeah. And I think people get to that all the time uh, where they have that question. But that's where we uh, should always be as Christians. Uh, I don't care what denomination, non-denomination, whatever you belong to. You have to keep reminding people of their baptism. That is our security blanket. Next is the mark 
or the seal of God. And the mark or seal of God is the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not something you're going to get tattooed on you or anything to that effect. Right. And the other thing is, is that when we start to realize that taking communion and uh, spending time always reflecting on what Christ has done for us and is constantly doing for us, that's the importance of a Sabbath day, okay? Not church day, but Sabbath day, where we kind of take some time to reflect on what he's done for us. And it makes Mm -hmm. a big difference. Yeah. You know? And the the more you realize what he's doing in your life, and the more you you ponder and treasure that in your heart, right? I think the easier it is to to look at death and not see it as something that's scary, right? It's not a it's not a jerking you away from your people, right? Is understand that we've stepped into eternity when we were baptized. Yeah, you stepped into eternity right there. That's why we, that's why I know a lot of people struggle with uh, infant baptism. I do not. Um, I didn't as a uh, as a non denominational person or an evangelical. I I never had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just because I uh, understood enough uh, that I still know that a person has a right to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that does have a struggle on this end. It's the right to make a choice. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But as we see with uh, Philip Melanchthon, is that, that that free will thing is a real deal. And when you see that a, a teenager, and we'll cover that in another show, we'll just talk about baptisms, just what does it mean to be a Lutheran kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll do that in another show. Okay. So, so one of the questions we I, had. I, hold on, I want to. I want to end. I want to end the the conversation about spiritual gifts with this. Okay, because I I want to make sure that I tap this one thing. When a person tells you, "I can give you my gift," I can't give you my gift. What I can do is introduce you to the gift giver. Second thing is that when you, if you are that person that says, hey, I, you guys, you're speaking from a large crowd, and you say, hey, do you guys want to be able to do this? Then let us pray that the Lord would release you into this. And part of that becomes your understanding that God has, that these things can take place. Most of the time why things do not take place with a Christian is because they, um, they don't know any better. They or they see a miracle and they just kind of brush it to the side. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got babies born all the time. People don't see that as a miracle. I see that as the most incredible miracle ever existed. Yeah. Yep. And I think sometimes we credit miracles to the wrong person. Absolutely, or the wrong situation. Well, right. the doctor. Right. The doctor healed you, Cody. Yeah. Cody, the doctor didn't heal you. I was there. The doctor <laughs> did not heal you. Doctor still will tell you flat out. He don't know what the heck is going on with you. But Jesus brought you out of a coma. Right. That that really happened in the first shiny face you got to see was mine. Okay. And I I just want to I don't remember it. I I'm, I just want to apologize to you for that little moment of terror. And I I want you to know what I was going to do, folks. And I I will say this because it was funny. I was going to tell him that I was my grandson, Trent, and that my granddad had passed away years ago. But I thought, you know, that's really mean. But it would be super funny for a guy coming out of a coma. Okay, everybody, (laughs) turn your radios back on. All right. What do you got for your next one, Cody? Um, 
Well, so do we want to discuss what does it mean to be a Lutheran, or do we want to make it its own show? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, we can make it its own show. I, I'll just give you a short version of it. You ready? Yep. It means to be a confessing Christian. Okay. It means that we understand what we confess in our belief in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Father. And it's a very, very simple thing. I don't believe most Lutherans know why they're Lutheran, to be quite frank with you. I would agree with that statement. Okay. So, for uh, so, everyone out there, stay tuned to learn more about what it means to be a Lutheran, and we will continue on with our other questions. Right. But I'll tell you what I would like to do when uh, we do that. I would like to get in a couple other pastors. Oh, yeah. And um, not just Luther. You know what? Tomorrow, you and me are headed up there. We'll ask this question. Yep. And we'll, we're going to ask a pack of Lutherans tomorrow. So I will have this show on by the end of the week of what does it mean to be a Lutheran. And I'm, we're going to talk to people that have been Lutheran for a very long time. Most of their lives, if not all their life. Right. And then I think we need to blend this into talking to some people of other uh, Christian faith-based religion. Yep. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So let's go on with another one, Cody. What else you got? All right. So are there really Anaki? Anunnaki's? Anunnaki's. Do you know what an Anunnaki is, Cody? Those are the giant people, right? Those are giants. Those are uh, demons, some of them. Anunnaki. Oh, it all depends on which Because it comes from, in Genesis, the Anakim, right? No. Well, yeah, but it, it, the Nephilim. Okay, yeah. Okay. And Anunnaki is uh, just an alien thing. And so here's the deal. Um, people ask me all the time, uh, back in Genesis, I'm pulling it up real quick here. Genesis, I'm pulling it up via my Bible, not an app, just so we're all aware. Um, chapter six, verse four, this is where all this stuff kind of starts to, uh, come from. And it says, and there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now, one thing I want to make mention of you to you is that most people do not read that. They, they don't read that right. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is it says there were giants on the earth in those days, comma. So let's just pause there for a minute. So there, there's already giants. There was already some giants on the earth, okay? Rob Skiba is a person I look up. He passed away from COVID. Um, I find it very curious that that guy passed away from COVID, by the way. But he did die from COVID. And I'm not calling that a conspiracy theory. Maybe I am. But anyway, <laughs> what I'm saying is he was a guy that did studies. You can look him up. S-K-I-B-A. Rob Skiba. You can look him up on YouTube. He did a thing called Akron Rising. And uh, gives some very good explanation of Anunnaki, etc. Uh, but the other thing is that when it says there were giants in those days and also afterward, uh, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men. There's a lot of wrestling with that phrase out of the Bible. Okay, But there's other books called the book of Jasher. Mm-hmm. Okay, these, these are apocryphal books. Uh, there's other books called Jasher, the other book called Jubilees. 
you can read up on some of that stuff in there. And there's also Enoch, which, by the way, all those hidden books of the Bible are not hidden. You can buy them on Amazon. They're not that complicated. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely pay attention to who wrote them. And uh, I've become very more, a lot more familiar with the Bible before I worry about that. Because the funny thing is, people will read apocryphal books day and night, but you can't get them to read one chapter of the Bible. That just doesn't make sense. Sure it does. It makes sense because the Bible ain't lining up with what they want to believe, so they want to look somewhere else because they already know that the Bible is already going to cause problem with their belief system. Mm. So what they start looking for is it in something else. And it's very hard to take something that's actual truth and try to make it a lie because there's actually a danger to that but you can go to something that's already a lie and make it a worse lie, and there ain't a problem with that. Hmm. Light and darkness. Make but sense? N- not all the apocryphal books. No, the apocryphal books aren't, but they're. But there's a reason that they're not in the Holy Bible. Right. Holy Bible, Holy Bible, set separated, apart. set apart, separated out books, okay? the This is a separated out library. Why are the 66 in here and not all of the Apocrypha in there, the Book of Maccabees, so on and so forth? It's not that they're wrong. They just don't have anything to do with salvation. They have to do with history. Mm -hmm. So what we got here and what we hold in our hand week after week and spend our time in is what actually deals with your salvation. This is called the good news. And even though you'll get an argument from some churches, the Old Testament and New Testament are very, uh, you know, one shows God's wrath and the other one shows God's love. I would say both of them show God's love and both of them show God's wrath. Yeah. And the reality is the Old and New Testament, I mean, even when we have communion, I prefer to use the word covenant. On occasion, they slip the word testament in in on me when I say, and this is the Lord's new covenant, or this is the Lord's new testament when we're taking communion. I always want to say it's only the covenant, not a testament. Testament, way it was explained to me by some recent teachers, was that uh, the New Testament is like your last will and testament. And I said, no, because I have a living God, so he doesn't leave a last will and testament. No. Okay, he cuts covenant, and a covenant is always cut. So when it comes to things, now the question was about the Anunnaki. Do I believe that there are demonic spirits that pose as other things? I do. Do I believe that there were giants in those days? I do. Do I believe that there has always been a major cover-up of things such as giants? I would say yes. Why? Because it would prove the Bible is correct. And that they would see that the bones of those things are a lot newer than the things that they want to claim. Anything that the current demonic does on the planet, it tries to disprove the Bible. The problem is, is the Bible always proves out true. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Yeah. So when we talk about Anunnaki, I cannot remember the young man's name that sent that one in. But I would tell you this, and I know you're listening, brother is that when we start looking at those things, they're fun and exciting to look at. Look up things called, uh, like in the book of Joshua, Raphaim. You take a look at uh, those from Gath, uh, so on and so forth. And what you'll see is in uh, the book of Joshua, you'll see uh, even in the book of Amos, you'll start to see 
where there are giants mm-hmm. and they describe them. Now we know that there were giants upon the earth. Why? Because there's all kinds of signs of them. Okay. You go down to Peru. Okay. You go up to Machu Picchu. You could see that there's very complicated buildings up there that are, they still can't get a butter knife in between, right? The rocks are cut at certain angles in order to lock together. Are you with me? And they're so big, they don't know how they got them to where they got them. The other thing they have there is a place called Valley of the Sun. Uh, in Valley of the Sun, there are two, uh, there's some stairs for one thing that uh, the person walking up them would be pretty tall. I'm, I'm not going to throw out a number, but I will say that, that they do have a set of, uh, I want to say it's three, it may only be two, um, chairs that face the rising sun that the people sitting in them would have had been over 20 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's also talk about Adam and Eve being much larger than what we have as a normal human being today. They weren't five foot ten, five foot six. And, um, you know, you got to pay attention that the world's trying to change your mind about the intelligence level of people. But if you were specifically born on the earth by God himself, and he spoke you into existence, and all things were named by you and made by him, I, I would think you'd be a fairly smart person. I feel like you'd about have to be. Yeah. And so when we start talking about cavemen, people go, well, do you believe in cavemen? Oh, yeah, I do. I don't believe that we evolved. I believe that those are actually the devolving of humans. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you get into things like the Hittite, etc., when you're looking, you'll see that they have six fingers. Okay. And you're going to see things like they have double rows of teeth and that they're man-eaters. They eat human beings and stuff to that effect. There's a reason God was wiping those things out. People go, well, why, why would this loving God start to wipe things like that out? To protect his people. To protect his people. Now, and then you don't want, you want to protect your children any way you possibly can, but you don't want God to protect his any way he desires. You know, so they say, why does he allow I mean, he allows a lot of things. Who who are we to judge him, right? Right. So, I mean, that's a long, complicated answer to the, are the Anunnaki real? Are there lizard people? Are there aliens? I think everything parades itself as what it you think it needs to be, and it, I think there's a tremendous amount of demonic functioning on the earth parading as other things mm-hmm. throughout history. So with that, <clears throat> you know, uh we there's a lot of Christians out there. They read the Bible. They read the New Testament. They see where Christ cast out all these demons and everything, and then they get to today, and they're like, "Ah, demons don't exist. They're not real." Yeah, they're we, all gone. They yeah, all died. Yet we make movie after movie. Right now, I'll guarantee you, you look in your movie house today, and there's probably. 50% of them are about some type of demonic possession or a uh, ghost or something to that effect, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, I mean, even society can't be so stupid, okay, right. to think that the demonic does not exist. Yeah. I mean, it obviously exists. They make movies about it. Yeah. So, when I was younger in high school, about a junior in high school, 
Uh, we went to Richard Young, which is a mental health hospital in Kearney, Nebraska. Wait, did you go there of your own free will? It was a, a field trip, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm just making sure. they didn't For pick, psychology. Did they pick you up there or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, so anyways, we go through and everything, and then we have like this little time for Q&A. The whole time, like this place just feels like a not good place to be right it looks yeah, beautiful the there's tons of plants and everything but you you just get the heebie-jeebies being there correct and uh so we get to the q a and i'm like okay well you know supposedly this is supposed to be like a catholic mental health hospital thing uh and so i'm like okay so um you know how many of these people in here with mental illnesses actually are possessed by a demon? And the they, guy was like, well, it's probably quite a few. Wow. <laughs> oh, so they acknowledged it. Oh, they acknowledged it. And they said most likely that it would be the ones that are either bipolar or schizophrenic. Um, yeah. And. Well, you know, in, in. Uh, go on, go on. And like, especially the ones that when when they're in that schizophrenic mode, you know they they start claiming to be God or or you know a prophet or something to that effect. Right. Um. Well, and they yeah they because they want to identify as something scripturally. Right. Okay. Uh, there are prophets. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm there not are saying stuff that there are. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that's what they're trying to duplicate. So don't think that we're trying to say there aren't prophets and there aren't evangelists, preachers, teachers, and apostles. There, those things exist. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's apostles just, are leaders of churches. We call ours a bishop, right? But he would be what would be considered an uh, uh, one that is sent with authority mm-hmm. to send others with authority. Yep. Right. So here's the deal. When it comes to the mental institutions, let, let's talk about casting out demons for starters. Uh, there's uh, done it. Done right. it. I, I mean, I, I definitely believe in uh, doing exorcisms. Uh, there is things called deliverance, but you're not delivering a pizza, so you probably better pay attention. But when it comes down to doing actual exorcisms, exorcism literally means to bind by oath. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Bind by oath. And the reason that an exorcism is uh, done much differently than dealing with deliverance is because there literally is a binding. We are given the keys of office. Right. Okay? And we literally bind the demonic and we bring them to trial before Christ and Christ condemns them and they are cast into the lake in that moment. Okay. Not to return. Deliverance most of the time is dealing with emotional issues or stuff to that effect. But, you know, even in all the times that I've done this, um, we do a couple of things. One is we start doing a deliverance thing. And the reason we start with deliverance is to see if we are just dealing with some emotional luggage, some spiritual damage luggage, uh, stuff to that effect. And the other thing we start looking to see is do we need a doctor? Because there are times that you have a person that does have schizophrenia, for example. Right. uh, That they need medication. Yeah. Okay. And there are people that are chemically unbalanced people uh, that they came through their life 
uh, or they get to a certain point in their life where they become chemically unbalanced, like they go mm-hmm. through uh, a change or something. And and I'm going to give you a strong uh, one here is my mother. My mom had to be on medications to help her. She didn't feel like she needed them, but we knew she needed them uh, because uh, depression came about with that and anxiety came about with that, stuff like that. And it wasn't that my mom had a demon. What my mom needed was some medical help. And right. there, there's so often that we try to, that, especially in the Christian realm, we can have a tendency to go, it's demons, we need to get them cast out, when sometimes they need a doctor. So right. we, sh- we should check that part first. And Well, not first. The very first thing we should do is ask God what we should be, be doing in this. Right. <laughs> and if he ain't giving you a strong answer, then we go to the doctor. How's that? Yeah. And then we start progressing forward from there. It doesn't mean that we don't help the person. What it does is it means that we ask God if we are supposed to. Because yep. I have seen where people have done uh, demonic deliverances that turned bad. Right. Uh, where the people in the room became possessed. Uh, or I won't call possessed. I'll say oppressed. Yep. They became attacked to the point where it started to destroy everything around them. Anything he had access to, it attacked. Mm-hmm. Their children their physical health, everything you see in Job. Yep. So uh, does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. What else do you got? All right. So uh, the prayer people claim is Aramaic on TikTok. Oh. What is all that about? Okay. I, I'm glad. I Okay. Now, I do got to pull something up on that one real quick. Okay. So here's the little thing that my – uh, uh, the church secretary brought in to me the other day from TikTok, right? And uh, she said, hey, man, this thing keeps popping up on and on and on. I'm like, well, that's not Aramaic. That is not the way that sounds in Aramaic. And so I actually did just a quick little research. Uh, I knew that uh, clean back in the 1990s. Now, here's how they do. They say, and I'm going to just, tell you what's being said on tiktok it says archaeologists discover a scroll in 1892 that led to the discovery of the lord's prayer when properly translated from aramaic directly into english actually begins with the word o cosmic birther (laughs) Uh, of all radiance and vibration um no, no. <laughs> I didn't even have to. I went to I went to Snoops. I mean, like I don't even trust Snoops like ever. <laughs> okay, but even they're smart enough to go. No, that is incorrect. <laughs> I knew I knew that even long before I became a Christian that I'd heard things like this before, and it was always either Wiccan related or very New Agey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Part of the people that are in tune with the source, and they like to call God the source because calling him the Father is offensive to them. They don't like to call Jesus the Son. They like to call him the Word because the other is offensive to them. They don't like to call the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit. They like to call him the Spirit that guides because the Holy Spirit is offensive to them. Are you with me? Yeah, and the spirit that guides can be any spirit that and is, not the tr- one true spirit. That is correct. 
so here here's uh, their flag on this. It says uh, a Facebook uh, post phrases uh, this Lord's Prayer is a mystic author named scholar Neil um, Douglas Klotz. And as Douglas Klotz wrote The Prayer of the Cosmos, and he published it in 1990, the transcription of the Aramaic words in uh, English characters is not meant to be formally scholarly translation. Moreover, he told us the idea that there is one true and original or correct translation of the Lord's Prayer doesn't square with reality. Well, I'm going to tell you, there is a prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that does square with realities. Because a couple of things here real quick. Our Father who art in heaven gives your Lord, that gives God the Father a location mm-hmm. and where he rules from. Yep. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. So holy is his name. Nobody else can claim that. You will not have a demon saying, I am the Holy One. He will not nope. do that. He can't. He can't. It's, it's literally impossible for them to do so. Holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That always shows you also a direction and how we know it's proper. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is this this all comes uh, when the Lord's Prayer came about. The Lord's Prayer was not a brand new thing, just so we're all aware. There's a Jewish prayer that does go along this. But he starts to say some things in there that really cause people to pause for a minute. And one of the things that he says is, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It all of a sudden gave permission for things we just talked about, uh, dealing with a person that's demonically possessed. Yep. What you have decided in heaven, we want it done here on earth. We want your, we want uh, heaven to invade earth. We want a complete collision that paradise is definitely here in the moment absolutely okay and uh your will be done uh on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread okay one thing to remember about that is that we're all we're given the moment we're living in Mm -hmm. for starters and the second thing is is that giving us our daily bread also is in jesus christ healing us with his broken self being the bread of communion Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a couple of avenues there yep. that he's laying out. They did have a prayer in the Jewish faith, which states about giving the the bread, you know, blessing it because you mm-hmm. bring it forth from the ground, right? Right. So all this is starting to tie together. Um, and forgive us our what? Trespasses. As we do what? Forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, my good gravy. You know what that's called? That's called the nail in the coffin. That is where you only get forgiven the way you forgive others. It means if you want to stand as the judge, say you, and this is very (laughs) anti-Jewish, the Jewish prayer would have not. They said, and forgive us our trespasses. And then he goes, because that's literally a, a, a sin against other people. Right. Okay, a trespass against their, them, that other person. And what ends up happening is Jesus adds to it and says, as I forgive, forgive me like I forgive. 
And they're like, wait a minute, I, I don't forgive anybody, you know. Mm -hmm. they, they're like, no, we hold on to things forever. And uh, that is definitely not right. right. Makes sense? Yeah. Okay, so, uh, and then, uh, and lead us not into temptation. We can go into that one. We can do a whole show on this thing. Lead yeah. us not into temptation. It is, let us not tempt you, Lord is what that means. Let us not lead let us not tempt you to destroy us. Right. Okay? So don't let us lead down that way. Shut us down. Make sure we're on the right path. Uh but deliver us from the evil uh the way that that should be said. I mean, I know our church says it, uh, deliver us from evil, but the way that it, I've always read it is deliver us from the evil one. We need to remember we have an enemy. And right. he hates us. Yeah. And he is trying to destroy us every single day. He's prowling like a hungry lion. Absolutely. Doesn't mean that he is one. It means that he tries to be one. Right. There's only one lion of Judah, and he's trying to impersonate. Right. Are you with me? So does that cover the Lord's Prayer thing well enough, you think? I'm yeah, going to tell you so. the one that they have on TikTok, don't buy into that garbage. You start spewing that thing somewhere around me, I'll tell you to shut it up. <laughs> all right so is a marriage certificate needed for god <laughs> this was a great one that was asked by a close friend of mine and he said so he texts me and he says hey is a is a marriage certificate needed by god and i'm like uh let me let's just tap into the law of moses for a minute is a certificate for divorce needed and he said, it is. And I said, so what makes you think a marriage certificate isn't also needed? Because it's a binding contract. Right. And he goes, oh, well, did they do that in the old days? I said, I don't know. You asked my opinion. My opinion is I do believe because we have people all the time that live together for decades. Right. And they say, well, we're married in God's eyes. Well, if that's the case, Where's the marriage? When did the marriage take place? When you guys hopped in bed together or what? Right. When did the marriage take place? Because one thing we definitely see in the days of old, marriage, the very first miracle Jesus did was at a wedding. Weddings happen. Why? Because weddings were important. Even in the, the pagans have weddings. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I've I've known people who, um, very close family friends of ours, and they got together when they were older. Right. Um, and for them getting married took away money. It it was it was yeah, it was very And it takes them off of insurance and stuff to that effect. Right. Yeah, they, they made so, society is making it more difficult to be married. So what they did is they had the wedding ceremony in right. the church. Right. But they did not legally get married in the eyes of the state. Well, the eyes of the state and the eyes of the Lord, two different things. Right. So I don't know, man, you got to kind of ask Jesus where he stands on all that. I, so I kind of say you, you get into a legal binding contract. Uh, when you step into marriage, it needs to be for real. Right. You know, and and, they and I do understand those situations. I do because right. I've seen it with older couples. Okay. So mm -hmm. let, uh, you gave a really good example. You have, let's say a man is 70 years old 
and his wife passes. And he meets another lady, and she's 70 years old, and her husband had passed. Now, both of those are no big deal, right? Mm -hmm. But if they get married, the state all of a sudden reduces her income, which now was what her husband made. Are you with me? Mm Mm-hmm. And his is is high. All of a sudden, they'll chop hers in half when they come together, and it'll be half of whatever he makes. And the state really causes problems for people doing that. So right. I think we just have to uh, address that with Christ and with the couple as we stepped into that. Right. Okay, fair enough? Yeah. All right, you got time for one more question, Cody. A short one or a very long one? Oh, I don't know. You tell me which one, and I'll tell you yay or nay. How about the John three thirteen? Oh, John three thirteen. Let me pull. Let me let me go to my my. So you read John three thirteen, and I'll ask the question. All right. Okay, Are you ready? John three thirteen says, "No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven." So the question is. What about Enoch and Elijah? Good good question. I got to tell you, that that's a good question. All right. Now, I know who asked this question. His name is Stan. Stan the man. Stan the man, here's the answer to your question. First, it does not say that Enoch was taken to heaven. Okay. That is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, I believe. And what it says is that he walked with God and was not, for the Lord took him. But it does not say where the Lord took him. Right. Okay? So that would mean that we have an assumption. Um, uh, let's see. That would be Enoch, uh, chapter 5. Uh, Enoch lives uh, 65 years and begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. It means that he was a prophet. Walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. It means he had a whole stack of them. So all the days of Enoch's life were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. It does not say where he took him. Okay. So that doesn't mean that he went up to heaven to live and dwell with, with God, the creator. Okay. For all we know, he could be chilling in paradise. He, we got to realize that when God takes you from this planet, when you, the only place time matters, the way it matters to you and me, the linear time that we are in is while we're on this planet. When you're in space, time is different. Absolutely. When you're on Mars, time is different. When you're in paradise outside of this realm and in that realm, there is no time. Time is restricted to here. Does that make yep. sense? Yep. Okay. Now, the other thing is, is understand with Elijah, when he was taken up, it says he was taken up into the heaven, up into heaven. Now, we have a tendency to forget that there are three heavens. Okay. Heaven, the sky above us, it reaches the atmosphere, which you can still right. breathe, etc. That is a heaven, and that's the heaven in which he was taken up to. There's also another heaven that's worded a little bit different in Hebrew, and you'll see this as you jump through your Hebrew class, which is called the Great Expanse, and that is space. 
That is where the stars are and the planets are and the other things. That is a second heaven. Mm-hmm. And then there is the third heaven. And we see that mentioned in the, in the Bible several times, one of which Paul says and one of which John says, if I was in uh, this, whether I was here or in the third heaven, I do not know. Meaning that God was revealing something to him. And we even see this with... Um, Oh, Isaiah chapter 6 is Isaiah visits heaven, but he does not mention any anybody else uh, in heaven. Uh, I'm going there. Give me one second. I'm almost there. So uh, uh, Elijah, when he goes to heaven, it or, or not Elijah, Isaiah goes to heaven. He even tells you when. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two to cover its face, and two to cover its feet, and two of which uh, he flew. And one cried to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voices of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Now that is the heaven in which God lives. Okay, So is it impossible for a man to be there? No. It is possible for him to be there. But what they're saying when they're, they did not say they went to live there with God. Even right. he is there very temporary. It says... Um, you know that, and I mean that is a whole sermon. I love that sermon, Isaiah chapter six, one of my favorite sermons one. to preach. But it does talk about him, him being an unclean person with unclean lips, a living coming from unclean nation, right? Mm-hmm. And that what they do is they he puts he puts a coal, the seraphim puts a coal to his lips, and then he is cleansed, and he says. But, you know, here's the one thing I always find amazing about that story is that anybody, that when they come in contact with an angel, or when they come in contact, except for Mary, by the way, uh, and when they come in contact, they fall on their face. They become afraid because the glory of God shines on those who are around him all the time. Mm-hmm. Even Moses, when he kept returning from the mountain and being in the presence of the burning bush and being in the presence of the Father, began to glow. He began to radiant, and you can tell when a person is being set free from Christ, uh, you will see that radiance. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. So one of the things is, did those guys go to the third heaven? I don't think the Bible really states that they did. It, when it talks about Elijah, it says that he saw him raised up into heaven. That is much different than when Stephen in the book of Acts says the heavens opened and he could see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Right. Are you with me? So that answer that question, you think? I think so. Okay. What else do we got? Anything else? Just you the got? top one. Oh, well, there, there. Just give me that one question. All right. So I'm not trying to be facetious or anything, but this is an actual question someone's asked, so this is not my own question. Is, am I, Cody, your permanent sidekick? Are you my permanent sidekick on the Barbarian Prophet? 
I would say you're my most common sidekick on my <laughs> on the Barbarian Prophet. Cody, you're you are a very good co-host and I'm very appreciative of you. And I know that people enjoy your conversations and even when you do other things like uh when you do um talking with uh Rocky when you go on to Warriors of the Word and uh, you give that. People get a lot from the things you have to say. So I, I hope that you're, uh, I don't know that you're permanent because we're none of us are permanent in any spot. Right. But I'd say you're probably one of my greater uh, sidekicks. And I like the fact that you have the courage to get on here and talk, which a lot of people don't. Yeah. All right. So is that cool? Is that a strong enough answer, you think? Oh, I think so. That works for me, at least. I don't know if it works for whoever asked it. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it does, because they're going to say, we just want to keep hearing Cody talk, so Bert just ain't talking by himself. So, All right. Well, people, it's time for us to kind of call it a day, and I just want to tell you, thank you so much for tuning in, and thanks for sending letters, and thanks for asking questions. Uh, I hope that I did answer them. I know I answered most of these questions back to people when they asked, but I wanted you guys to realize that in the old mailbag, I actually do get some questions. So, Cody, again, thanks for being here today. Absolutely. And yawning so often to make me yawn so often. Come on, man. And so uh, I just want to tell you, folks, I love you, and Jesus loves you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Just keep sending those letters. Don't forget to reach out and buy a book for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. From the Club to the Cross. Right now it's currently selling on Amazon. And it has been definitely leading people to ask questions about Jesus. That if Jesus can take some idiot like me and save him, then he can take you and save you. So God bless you. See you next time on The Prophet.